Thank you, John. Well, as we prepare our hearts this morning for the Lord's Supper, I would like you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 10, and we'll be looking at verses 31 through 42 this morning. John chapter 10, verses 31 through 42, and then after that we will share the Lord's Supper together. But before we get to the message this morning, I want to draw your attention to your bulletins just for a moment, and I want you to look where it says the Pastor's Book of the Month recommendation. The Pastor's Book of the Month recommendation for the month of October is, In the Lord I Take Refuge, 150 Daily Devotions Through the Psalms. Now, this is a wonderful little book with devotional commentary on all 150 psalms. And the reason I am bringing this to your attention is because it goes along really well with the message that I shared with you back on September 12th. I talked to you at that time about biblical meditation, spending extended times in prayer. And I shared with you that back in the 1600s, the Puritans would often take the Psalms and let the Psalms form their prayers. And many times they would even take the Psalms and pray them to God verbatim. Now, if that's of interest to you, if that's something you'd like to pursue, this would be a wonderful book for you to take and read. You could take it one day at a time if you wanted to. Each section doesn't take very long at all. There is a copy of this in the church library. I'm so thankful to our church librarian, Kendall Dara, for always having the book of the month in the library. It's available on Amazon, and I'm sure it's available from other sources as, as well. So I just wanted to mention that to you. Well, this morning we are coming to the very end of the Gospel of John in our study of this wonderful Gospel. And last week, last week we saw Jesus make one of the most important statements ever made in relation to the glorious assurance and security of our salvation. Jesus said of his followers, of his sheep, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Well, that brings us to the passage that we're going to look at this morning, verses 31 through 42. And this is what we read. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the Because I said I am the Son of God? 
If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Well, our first point this morning is Jesus claims to be God. Throughout the Gospel of John, especially in chapters 5 through 10, Jesus unashamedly claims to be fully God. In verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Jesus is claiming to be God himself. He had said this many times throughout chapters 5 through 10. We have seen this repeatedly. I and the Father are one. The Father is in me and I am in the Father. And there was this great opposition to Jesus because he was making these statements. And the Jews understood exactly what Jesus was saying. There was no doubt in their minds what he was saying because in verse 31 it says the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Now notice that it says again they have done this before. If you remember back in John chapter 8, Jesus had the audacity to make the great statement. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was saying, That before Abraham ever existed, I existed. Again, they understood clearly what Jesus was saying. So it says they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So it says the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Their animosity was so intense and so fierce that they physically wanted to kill him at this point in his Ministry, And then in verse 32, Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? For which of my good works are you going to stone me? And then in verse 33, which is really the central key verse for this morning, the Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you... Being a man, make yourself God. Oh, that was the key. That Jesus, being a man, was claiming that he is God. John 10.33 in the New Living Translation reads this way. They replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. And that's it. That's an excellent translation of that particular verse. You, a mere man, claim to be God. And that's where their opposition became so intense to him. Now, in verses 34 through 36, Jesus defends himself with a, what appears to be a mysterious, puzzling argument to us. 
And so let me explain it to you so that we understand what Jesus is saying. He says, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? Now, what Jesus is doing here is he is quoting from the Psalms. He is quoting from Psalm 82.6. And in the Old Testament, there were judges. There were judges who ruled Israel who spoke on behalf of God. They would often be referred to as God's little g. God's little g. They would speak the words of God. They would say, this is what the law of the Lord says. They would minister justice on behalf of God. And if you rebelled against one of the judges, it was as if you were rebelling against God himself. And so these men, these judges in Israel, were revered and held in the highest respect, and the people honored them. And so Jesus says, if he called them gods, little g, to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, that is true. That is what they said. Do you say of me, whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If you called the judges gods, if you held them in high respect and revered them, are you opposing me? Are you telling me I'm blaspheming because I'm claiming to be the Son of God? They were sons of God in a general sense, but I am the Son of God, the only begotten of God. I'm not blaspheming. I am the Son of God. I am God. Well, then Jesus makes an important argument, and one that I want us to take note of this morning. He talks about his works and the role that his works play in being the evidence of his messiahship. The miraculous works of Jesus recorded in the four Gospels are powerful evidence that Jesus is God. Think of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And think of all the miraculous works of Jesus that they record. He healed the sick. He made the lame to walk and the blind to see. He, gave, he helped the mute to speak. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He showed that he had power over all of creation. He fed the 5,000. He walked on the water. He spoke to the winds and the waves, and they obeyed him. The point is this. No one could do the works that Jesus did except God himself. Don't miss that. Because that's what he's saying to the Jewish leaders. No one can do the works that I do unless I am God. This has to do with the whole purpose of the Gospel of John. If you recall, the purpose statement for the Gospel of John is actually found toward the end of the book in John 20, verses 30 and 31. It says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What Jesus, or what John is saying is this. 
Jesus did many other miracles besides those recorded in the Gospel of John. But those that are recorded in the Gospel of John are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now look what Jesus says in verses 37 and 38. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. If you're not willing now to embrace me as Savior, at least think very carefully about all the miracles that I have done, about all the miraculous signs that I have performed. Think very carefully about them and you will see that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Once again, these men may be rebellious, but they understand what Jesus is saying very clearly. And in verse 39, it says again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Again, again, John is saying in his gospel, they want to arrest him, but he escapes. How did he escape? We don't know. Back in John chapter 8, when they were going to stone him, it said that he hid himself and went out of the temple. We don't know how he did it. Maybe it was a miracle. Maybe somehow he miraculously escaped. But we do know this from the Gospel of John. It says repeatedly, as time had not yet come. Until the cross, until the time of the cross, they could not lay a hand on him. Well, our second point this morning is, but some believe. Even though the opposition to Jesus was intense and fierce, some still believe and come to him as Lord and Savior. Look at verses 40 through 42 and notice the contrast between this paragraph and the one before it. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Oh, praise God for that. Many came to him. He goes to the place where John had been baptizing. Many are coming to him. And they said, boy, everything John the Baptist said about Jesus is true. And many believed in him there. Even though the Jewish religious leaders are fiercely and intensely opposing him, many are still coming. And it is true today no matter what opposition there is to Jesus. God is gathering his church. People are coming to Jesus from every people group all around the world. Christ continues to build his church. It reminds us so much of John chapter 1, where John writes, Jesus came to his own, but his own received him not. Yet, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And even though the Jewish religious leaders should have accepted him but rejected him still, many, many are becoming children of God. Well, as we close this morning, this 
devotional part before we share communion. I want us to think again about the fact that Jesus, they said, a mere man, claims to be God. Because this is the theme of chapters 5 through 10. Jesus is claiming to be God. Today in our own time, the full deity of Christ is a great stumbling block that prevents many from receiving Jesus as Savior. Even today, over 2,000 years later, one of the greatest stumbling blocks that keeps people from coming to Jesus is his claim to be God. They'll say that he was a great historical figure, a great moral teacher, but they will not admit, they will not acknowledge his claim to be God. Why is that? Why is that such a stumbling block? Why has it been such a stumbling block for over 2,000 years? And here's why. Because if you believe Jesus is God, if you really believe he's God, it means you must humble yourself before him. If you really believe Jesus is God, it means that you must come face to face with your own sin. If you really believe that Jesus is God, if you really believe that, then there is no other way to be saved and all other religions in the world are false. And this is a great stumbling block. If you really believe that Jesus is God, then you must trust in Christ alone to save you. It reminds me, as I was working through this so much, of that great quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. Many of you know this quote already. Some of you may have memorized small parts of it. But it goes along so well with this. So if you'd bear with me, it's a long quote, so it's not going to be on the screen. Let me just read it for you. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, writes this. Jesus told people that their sins are forgiven. This makes sense only if he really is God. I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Christ. People say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. C.S. Lewis writes, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Think of that middle part of that quote. You must make your choice. You must make your choice. Either he is God or he is a madman, or a fool. The choice is up to every one of us. As we go to communion this morning, I want you to think carefully. Do I really believe? 
Do I really believe in the depths of my heart that Jesus is God, creator of heaven and earth, the sustainer of the universe, the one who holds every atom and every molecule together? Do I really believe that Jesus is God? And if I do, have I, have I surrendered my life to him as Savior and Lord? If you're visiting with us this morning, let me just give you a brief instruction about how we do communion here. If you know Christ as your Savior, we welcome you to take the Lord's Supper with us. If you don't know what that means, if you're not sure where you stand with God this morning, that's okay. You can just quietly let the elements pass by you. But if you know the Lord as your Savior, what we're going to do, one deacon will pray for the bread and cup. The deacons will hand out the bread and cup together. And when everyone has been served, then I will read a passage of Scripture and we will eat and drink together. If you're watching by live stream this morning, uh, while the deacons are serving communion, we encourage you to use this as a time of meditation and reflection. And at this time, we will share the Lord's Supper.